Hi there. We're excited to have you join us and that you're able to listen to this resource from Grace Presbyterian Church, Christchurch. We hope that it will be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord. Please let us know how this sermon encourages you in your faith. We'd love to connect with you and worship with you on Sundays at 10am. Please find more information about us online or in the link in our bio. Today we've been journeying through Romans as I talk to the kids about. Um, We've titled this series Living in the Mercies of God. Look at his goodness, how it transforms, shapes us to be followers uh, of Christ. So in our little journey here, so we're up to Romans 13. So let's read Romans 13 verses 11 to 14. is what God's word says. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness or sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Well, let's pray together and we'll open God's word. Father, we come, Lord, to you to worship you, to be transformed by you for your grace. Lord, to remake us to be more like yourself. Transform us to be like your son. Lord, would you clear all the uh, thoughts in our minds that come from a busy season, Lord, in a long year. Lord, would you give us settled hearts by your Spirit to come to your Word, Lord, that we would know more of you, be transformed. Praise in Christ's name. Amen. I want you to imagine for a moment that in February of this year, you received a beautifully embossed envelope in the mail. It was from the royal palace. And inside it was an invitation. And the royal palace had chosen a thousand people, no, a hundred people, we'll make it smaller, a hundred people from within the Commonwealth to come and have an all-expenses-paid trip to participate in the king's coronation. And you should see a beautifully uh, ornate uh, invitation there that was sent out that most of us probably didn't receive, but that's okay. We can imagine, okay, imagine you received this all expenses paid invitation, okay? You received this in February of this year, and the coronation was in May, so you had some time to get ready. As that day approached, you would have picked out some, you know, really nice clothes that you were going to wear. You would have got a haircut, you know, practiced what you were going to say to this new king when you met him. The week before that you were about to, to fly over to London, you would have carefully packed your bags. When you arrived over there, the, that day before, you would have laid out your clothes on the bed so that you were ready. The day of, you would have got ready, put on the clothes, brushed your hair, you know, got ready, got really prepared for this time, did all that you needed. And you did this because you were preparing, anticipating, preparing for something great, something special. 
You had the invitation to something wonderful. And so you made yourself ready. You prepared yourself for that great day. Now, we didn't, didn't get an invitation to the coronation, but we all do the same thing. You're probably now getting ready for Christmas lunch or Christmas day. You've decorated the house, got the wreath out, brought the ham, wrapped the presents. Maybe you're, you know, that's this week's job. Okay, but you're preparing. There's an anticipation for something great that's coming up. What's on the horizon shapes how we live today. Paul, in this passage that we're going to dive into today, he wants to press on this us that as Christians, we have a great and a sure future. And that day is near. And this shapes, therefore, how we live today. He wants us to get ready for that great day of Jesus' return, when we will celebrate with the true King, when we will come into that special time with Christ. And so I've titled today, Get Ready for Glory. So we are going to learn here in in this letter that Paul has written to the Roman church to be preparing ourselves for that great day of glory when we meet the king. So let's dig in. Well, verse, looking at verses 11 and the first half of verse 12, but start of verse 11 says, besides this. What is the this that he's referring to? What is this passage that comes just beforehand? It's the first part of it. Ronaldo spoke last week about how God's love for us God's lavish love for us and how we are to love one another in fulfillment of the law. But it's also this, all that has been coming beforehand since we started in chapter 12. So this really is the bookend to what we started with in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He opened with that and started chapter 12 with this call to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds calling them to meditate on the mercies of God and be transformed to be perfected, to be completely prepared to enter into God's presence and to dwell with him in Christ's likeness. You see, and in doing this, he's, he's closing out this section and he wants to bring home, really hammer at home what he's been telling us about being transformed to live as followers of Christ. So over this, between these two bookends, We've understood how we are to use our gifts, how God's lavished his gifts upon us to encourage and build up one another, serve one another. How we're to love those who oppose us. How we're to live as subject to the governing authorities above us. And how we are to love one another in fulfillment of the law. And here then, in verses 11 to 14 that we're diving in today, he presses home to take this seriously. To be alert, to be aware of the day that is at hand. And be ready because Jesus' return, what is promised to us, is very soon. And so he carries on here in verse 11. He says, You know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. What's this this time? What's this hour that he's referring to? Well, as he's if we're journeying through, if you look at the first section, one through uh, chapter eleven of Romans, and he highlights this in chapter three, verse twenty-six and five, verse six, Paul is reminded the church that while they were sinners, Jesus has died on the cross to save them. 
He paid for their sins and they are now, right now, in this very moment, they are right with God. They are dearly loved by him and nothing can separate them from God's love. They have been saved. But also, he wants to tell them that this this, uh, delight and enjoyment they have with God now, being God's very own children, hasn't come to its full fruition. You see, that benefit of the full, bene- of full goodness of God's presence, of life with him, doesn't come to its fulfillment until Jesus returns. And this is what he highlights in chapter 8, verse 18. He says, There's that time is to come. You are saved now, but there's this glorious time to come when Jesus returns. When Jesus returns in his full glory, they will see God face to face. And he will bring the new heavens and the new earth, and they will experience sin no more. And that's the salvation that he's referring to here. When Jesus will finish what he has started. When all Christians will receive the glory of being in the presence of Jesus and becoming like him. That day, that day of his return, that day of that full glory, that day of salvation is getting nearer and nearer and is about to come. That's what Paul's saying. That's the time that is to come. So they live in this in-between time, this you have been saved and the full salvation that is yours, glorification with God, is yet to come. That final salvation is on the horizon. And so he's telling them to wake up, be alert to this hour, this time in between when Jesus is about to come. Be ready, be alert here. In World War II, there's many significant dates, especially if you're uh, into history, Many significant dates, but two of them stand out. It was very vivid. June 6th, 1944. This is known as D-Day. On D-Day, the Allies landed at Normanby in France, and they started to push back the Nazis. The next date, May 8th, 1945. 11 months later marks VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, when the Allies were victorious over the Nazis in Europe. But between those two dates, D-Day when they landed and V-E Day when they took the final victory, there was a great battle. There's an in-between time. Paul here wants the Roman church and us to know that we're living similarly between these two times. The day of Jesus' death and resurrection, you could say D-Day, that resurrection victory that has come. We are now in Christ. Jesus has inflicted a fatal blow on Satan. But that day, that V.E. day, that day when Jesus will return and inflict the final mortal blow on Satan is yet to come, but is on the horizon. And in this in-between time, we need to be awake to this very hour and prepare for that victory, prepare for that day of salvation, that return of Jesus. The Bible describes this as, as living between the overlapping of two ages. You, see, you have that age, the old age where Satan had rule, but we have this new age where Jesus has come, where there's this overlapping time before Jesus' return, and that is no more, and we live for eternity in God's presence. That new age has started, will be fulfilled. Well, you might be familiar with it being said that, that we live in the time where Jesus' kingdom, his kingdom has come, Already, it's here. He is the king victorious, but it's not yet in its fullness. That's what he wants us to know. That is the hour you live in, and there's a time Jesus' return is very soon. 
But living in this time, in this hour, this moment between these two ages is not easy. He says in the first part of verse 12, he says, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. You see, the reign of darkness is coming to its end, but it's not yet finished. And it's kind of like that time, if you're up early, before the sunrise. You know, that first light reflects off the clouds and it's coming down and it, it illuminates what's going on. It reveals the outlines of what we see. There's a little, little bit of light so we can see what's happening, but the shadows and the darkness still clings on and the shadows conceal the darkness. You see, they conceal the details. In Romans 1, Paul talked about us being born as sinners, foolish with darkened hearts and minds. You see, but now Jesus, the light, has come and he's shown his truth, renewed our hearts and minds by his mercies. Yet we live in this time where the darkness still clings at our hearts, still holds on, our sinful flesh still grabs at us, tempts us towards an old sinful life that was controlled by the old darkness. And that fullness, though, of new life in Christ has dawned in us, so we can see, now that we can see truly what is true, and what is to come. But it's not cast out all those shadows that still cling on to us. We live in this in-between time, and we need to be alert and ready for that great day when Jesus returns. So how do we live? How do we live in this in-between time, between Jesus' arrival and his final great return, when the darkness is fading, but the light is not fully shining? This is what he presses into in the second half of verse 12 and verse 13. In here, Paul gives us three rallying cries, and then verse 14, one command for how to live in this time. Verse 12 in the second half says, So then, let us cast off the works of darkness, let us put on the armor of light, and let us walk properly as in the daytime. Firstly, let us, Paul says, you know, so that's him included, cast off the works of darkness. He uses the imagery of getting dressed this is the same concept of being transformed that he opened up in chapter 12. He says, cast off, throw off the deeds of darkness. This isn't just, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're all kind of just, as you're you know, waking up, casually got dressed. Now he's saying you throw it off, fling off with authority, with an urgency. Cast off the darkness of your old life, the darkened mind that you were born into, of the actions and the deeds that follow that. Cast it away. Then he tells us, put on the armor of light. Put on God's holy armor that strengthens and protects you in this battle as you wait, that prepares you, refines you. We looked at this when we were looking in Ephesians 6, so it should be reasonably fresh for us. Ephesians 6 verse 11 tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you might stand against the schemes of the devil. We're told in that as we read on to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of gospel readiness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Wrap yourself in the mind and the heart of God's truth and let the light of God's word defeat the lies and the darkness that is in our old life and be transformed to be more like Christ. Then he tells us in verse 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime. There's most likely a double meaning in a wordplay here in the way Paul's using it. Firstly, he says, walk, conduct yourself as is fitting and proper 
for those who are awake, who can now see that the light has dawned, walk in a way that's true by what God has illuminated to you. Walk with eyes that are expectant, expecting the return of the King, that are ready for Christ's return. The second wordplay in it is he picks up that sinful living there is most evident that we see in the night. And we look at in our own you know, news reports and stuff. How often is it that we see crime happening at night? Suetonus, who was a Roman biographer who lived in AD 69 to 122, describes the life of Emperor Nero in chapter 26 of his biography. He writes this about Emperor Nero. No sooner was twilight over than he would catch up a cap or a wig and go to the taverns or range about the streets playing pranks, which, however, were very far from harmless. In the strife which resulted, he often ran the risk of losing his eyes or even his life, for he was beaten almost to death by a man of the sedatorial order whose wife he had maltreated. This is the kind of dark, sinful living that Paul is calling the church to cast off. He says, do not walk in the way, do not conduct yourself, orgies, drunkenness, sexual morality, sensuality, quarreling, jealousy. These are the deeds of darkness. That's the old life. Cast it off. It has nothing to do with those who now live in the light of Christ, who are God's very own. So he's saying walk as is fitting, as is proper for those who can now see God's goodness and light. And then in verse 14, he follows this up. He's kind of escalating in his description. And he gives us a command at the end, a command to the troops, really. He he states, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Note here that he doesn't say, let us, like he said previously. Here is a charge, put on. But the gravity for us to get it really in what he's saying is like, but you must put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 12 and 13 were kind of propositions. 14 is a direct command for us to do. And he directly contrasts it with clothing ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ with that previous description that he had described about what it meant to be clothed or walk in the flesh. And this is common for Paul in how he writes. Okay, Ephesians 4 echoes the statement. Let's turn. Turn forward into Ephesians 4, and we'll read that. Ephesians 4, 17. Okay, I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Now this I say and testify to the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and the true 
righteousness and holiness. He's echoing the same thing. Turn from your old self, the darkness of mind and life. Clothe yourself in the life of Christ, which has already begun in the renewing of your mind and what you're coming to see and savor and delight in God. Put on Jesus' perfect righteousness, his holy life. Live like him. The work that has begun in you that God has redeemed your heart. You stand before God holy and blameless. Live that out. Live before that. Let that transform your, all of your life. Now look at how he commands our attitude towards the flesh, towards the sinful desires of our old life. What does he say? It's not really very you know, PC. Make no provision, none, for it to gratify your desires. Do not give your old flesh an inch. Do not give it a toehold in your life. Sin is like disease. It, it desires to infect and rob and destroy the glory of God and any joy we have in him. We might say, it's okay. It's, it's only my toe that's gone got gangrene. That's okay, isn't it? Just a little bit? No, if it's not removed or treated, your whole body will be destroyed. Now let's say, if we go back to our opening... Let's say you are traveling, you've traveled all the way to London for this coronation. You have your invitation, okay? You're guaranteed entry here to see the king, and you're excited about meeting the king and enjoying this party, okay? You get ready, you put on your new socks, your new shoes, new shirt, new suit, okay? You're looking sharp, but then out of your bag, you get that old, sweaty, backyard fishing hat, and you put it on. Now, if you manage to get that past your wife, okay, and go to meet the king, what do you think that says to the king when you meet him? All flash and nice, but your stinky old fishing hat on. What does that say to the king that you're going to meet? I'm not willing to let go of my old comforts for your honor. My familiar fishy smell is more pleasant than you. The delight in meeting you is not as important as my old comforts and desires. The king here isn't going to cast you away. He wants you there. But he wants you there in such a way as you enjoy the fullness of his glory. The fullness of delight in him and knowing him. You see, King Jesus has secured you for an eternal salvation with himself. In his presence, there's no sin or sorrow only pure holiness, goodness, and delight. And he wants no hindrance to his honor and glory and your reveling in his lavish love and goodness towards you. And so he calls you to clothe yourself with his holiness now, not giving an inch to our old sinful living. So how do we do that? How do we clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ ready for salvation? One, wake up. It's easy for us to believe that Jesus' coming is ages away. You know, we've got plenty of time to cast off old sin. I'll get ready when I'm old, you know, when I know that I'm going to die. I'll get ready then. I heard this heaps when I was at, working with university students. It's like, oh, no, I just want to enjoy the world now. I want to enjoy all it has to offer. I'll indulge in fleshly living. 
And then later, you know, when I'm old, when I'm meant to be mature, then I'll turn to God. But we do not know that day when Jesus is going to return. We don't know when the day of salvation will come. Even Jesus, in Mark 13, 32, he said he didn't know when it was, when he was going to return. Only the Father knows. I was at a, a funeral this last week, and on the handout that was handed around, uh, there was a saying that was a favorite of this guy. It said, there are seven days in the week, and someday is not one of them. He was 33. He's now with Jesus. He knew Jesus. He was looking forward to that day. Okay, there was an anticipation. We don't know. We can always kick on someday, but no. Paul's saying, wake up now. Be alert. Be ready. Prepare for the arrival of the king. Prepare yourself to honor your king. You see, this was true in Paul's life. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, he says this, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In Philippians chapter 1, he said, God's going to get him there. He's guaranteed I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to press on and prepare myself. Readiness for that great day. There's an eager, there's an awakeness, there's an alertness to embrace the prize of salvation and life with Christ. If that is our treasure and our joy, then we would want to cast off everything that would distract, hinder, stop our full enjoyment of that day with Christ. So we need to daily remind ourselves, wake up. You set an alert for your alarm in the morning. How do you set alerts to remind you of the day? Memorize scripture. What is scripture? What is encouragements that can keep you awake and alert to that day when Jesus is coming? And it is coming soon. Second thing, cast off your old life. Do not give it an inch. Often in our Christian life, we get fooled into thinking after we get rid of the more you know, overt sins in our life, those aspects, that we just keep adding Christ. But we must always be casting off sin. Our Christian growth always has two aspects. Casting off and putting on. It's kind of like Mr. Miyagi's wisdom in Karate Kid. Wax on, wax off. Okay? Or if you're a younger generation, you know, shirt on, shirt off. Okay? We've got to remember, always casting off our old life, putting on our new life. We must repent, turn from sin. And in faith, put on Christ. Exercise trust in him. Repentance is active. It's an act of turning away from that, casting off sinful living. But sometimes we get lulled into thinking that we've got nothing to cast off. We have a false sense of kind of morality and holy living. But I want to ask you a couple of questions. I want to ask you if there's anything that your hands have touched in the last week that you would be ashamed of if it was screened right there and Jesus was watching? What about anything that your eyes have seen? What about any place that your feet have taken you? What about anything you've said to another person or said with your lips? What about any place that your mind has roamed? I trust that God has brought to your mind, because he loves you, he wants you to be holy areas of your life where you need to make no provision 
for the flesh to cast it off so that you will not gratify sinful desires. To cast those off, repent, turn from them. And if you're struggling, if it's hard to bring things to mind, I'd encourage you to pray David's prayer at the end of Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He wants us to be constantly casting off. So we need to pray that he brings that to light so we're consciously aware of what we're turning from. What he brings up, confess to God. Confess those to a trusted friend that you would walk with them. But also, we need to confess that we're powerless in ourselves to bring about the change of turning from those. To change, we must put on Christ to see that our true, to see any true spiritual change. This is our third thing, put on Christ. We need to remember that we were once in darkness, but now have been clothed in Christ's righteous life. Remember his mercies, which he opened out in chapter 12, that you are in Christ. God looks at you and he sees Jesus' holy perfection. And you are guaranteed to receive salvation. Remember all those mercies. Just we talked about the kids. Water flowing, lavishing over you. God's mercies and goodness. Put that on. Bring that to mind. Who I am in Christ. How much God loves you. He sent his own son to die for you. Put that on. Remember his mercies to you in chapters 1 through 11 of Romans. And trust that he has placed his Holy Spirit within you. He has empowered you because Christ is in you to bring about change. You're a new person. The Holy Spirit will enable you to say no to those things you are turning from. You can't do it in your own strength, but trusting in the Lord and what he has done to say no to those things you're turning from, the desires of the flesh, and yes to righteousness. The Holy Spirit will empower you to love God and others with his love, his joy, his peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to let our outward conduct reflect that inner transformation that God has mercifully done in us. He has renewed you and made you his very own. And so we cast off sin and put on Christ in his power and his enabling that he would transform us to be more like himself. And in this way, We are clothed and we are transformed to become more like Christ. And we're ready to meet the King. You'll be clothed in His righteousness and progressive inwardly and progressively outwardly. And you'll be able to, as you anticipate and bring look forward to that glorious day when you meet Christ, you'll be able to bring him honor and glory and revel in his goodness and his delight on that great day of salvation, which is getting nearer day by day. So today, that's my charge. Encouragement to you. Let's wake up. Let's be alert to the day we're in this time when Christ's return is imminent. Let's cast off desires of the flesh. Don't give it a toe hold. Don't give it an inch and put on Christ. Remember his lavish mercies and his goodness to us as we look forward and anticipate that great and glorious day of salvation. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess that 
but we're so prone and often we fall asleep. We get distracted. We get absorbed in all the things that are around us. Even the season that we're in, Lord, can just fill us with busyness. And we forget about the reality of your return soon, Lord Jesus. That great day of salvation. Would you help us to be alert, to be awake, to look forward to and anticipate with joy and delight that great day of salvation that is to come? Lord, would you help us? Would you bring to mind, would, would that prayer of David be true in all of our hearts? Lord, would you lead us in paths of righteousness? Lord, would you search us and know us? Lord, and we thank you that even though you do graciously and in your holiness reveal us and you don't leave us there, in your mercy you remind us that we've been washed clean, renewed, Lord, and we stand before you perfected. And Lord, that we would put on Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and be transformed, be more like you. Lord, that we would honor you, that we would glorify you on that day when you'll return. And Lord, that we would have great joy and delight in seeing you face to face. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.